Amen. Certainly, we thank God for each and every one of you again that have gathered uh, to this Bible class uh, session. And certainly, I believe that God has a word for each and every one of us. Amen. And we're talking about the messengers of Christ. We have a very important role and a part to play uh, that this gospel be shared. And the scripture says in the Olivet Discourse in Matthew 24, and when this gospel is shared into all the world, and then shall the end come. Come on, somebody. My God. So there's a work. There's a work for us to do. This gospel, amen, must be shared to all of the world. My God, God wants to give an opportunity for everyone to be saved. He said, it's not his will that any man should perish. Amen. But every man would come to repentance. Amen. So we are the messengers, the messengers of Christ. And that's uh, what we're talking about on tonight. Uh, Jesus set a harvest in motion. We found that in John 4, 31 through 38. Amen. He talked about a harvest that the natural eye can not see. Amen. He said, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. My God, certainly those disciples, they went into the city uh, to get and to fetch a meal for Jesus or lunch for all of them. And Jesus had the woman at the well, the woman of Samaria, amen, and started, uh, 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 I would say, put in motion a harvest because she had run back to the city to tell everybody about this man at the well that was healing the sin sick soul. Come see a man that told me ever I have done Yet he looked beyond my fault and saw my need. They came back and they asked Jesus to eat. He said, I have eat that you know not of. Come on, somebody. My God, I have been sent here to do the will of my father and to finish his work. Amen. Each and every one of us, we have a work. We have a work to do. We went to Genesis 8 and 22. He said, as long as the earth remains, there is going to be seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night shall not cease. Come on, somebody. My God. He uh, caused the floods to come. Amen. Because he looked at man's heart and they were continually evil. But he said, you know what? I'm not going to do it anymore. I'm not going to do it anymore. Amen. But as long as the earth remaineth, there's going to be an opportunity to plant seed and to harvest. Amen. And he has invited us into his vineyard. He said the harvest is truly plenteous, but the laborers, amen, they are few. So there's a call. There is a call upon our life. Amen. He sent uh, Philip down to the desert, uh, down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is the desert. And he sent him to a person that had a different lifestyle than he had. Can God send you? Amen. He's 
uh, Ethiopian eunuch, amen, uh, not only just a black man, but a castrated man, amen, my God, uh, totally different ethnicity, totally different lifestyle than Philip, uh, but uh, the word told Philip, join yourself to the chariot, and he heard him reading, Come on, somebody, my God. And Philip asked him, understandest thou what thou readest? He said, how can I accept some man guide me? Come on, somebody, my God. So there are individuals out there that are seeking. They may not have the same ethnicity that you do. They may not have the same background that you have, but all souls belong to God. Amen. 2 Corinthians 1 and 4 says, Who comforted us in all our tribulation, that we might be able to comfort them which are in any trouble, by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. Come on, somebody. My God, when you were sinking deep in sin and you were far from the peaceful shore, my God, but the master of the sea, what did he do? He heard your despairing cry. And from the water, he lifted you and safe am I. Now that same comfort, my God, that comforted us when we were in trouble, my God, we can comfort others that are also in trouble, my God. And we also have been given in Matthew 28, 19, we have been given the commandment to make more disciples. Now, God that has comforted you, he wants you to comfort others, amen? Uh, now that you have become a disciple, he wants you to make more disciples. Matthew 28, 19, therefore go and make disciples of all nations. People that don't look like you, different background, different ethnicities, different uh, uh, levels of um, on, on the pay scale. Come on, somebody, they may live uptime, you live downtown. Amen. Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. And certainly we know that that name is Jesus. Amen. So we have been commanded and given authority to make more disciples. The Bible said, he that winneth souls must be wise. My God. And I got a passage of scripture I want to read to you, and that's 5.17, Acts 5 and 17. Everybody ought to have your Bibles. Acts, the fifth chapter. The disciples were a very good example, very good example of the tenacity, boldness that each and every one of us ought to have toward witnessing. Uh, Acts 5, 17 through 32, and we're going to get our thought out of 32. All right, then the high priest rose up, and all that were with him, which is the sect of the Sadducees, and were filled with indignation, and laid their hands on the apostles. Now, that wasn't laying hands of prayer. Those were abusive hands, hurtful hands. Come on, somebody. My God. Uh, and put them in common prison. But the angel of the Lord by night opened the prison doors and brought them forth and said, Go stand and speak in the temple 
to the people all the words of this life. How many people have you told of this life that you're living? And when they had heard that, they entered into the temple early in the morning and taught. Can you imagine that? Being beat last night and thrown into prison and the angel comes and, and, and sets you free and says, now I want you to go in the temple and do the very thing uh, that you were in prison for and beaten for. Look at this. But the high priest came and they that were with him and called uh, the council together and all the senate of the children of Israel and sent to the prison to have them brought. But when the officers came and found them not in the prison, they returned and told, verse 23, saying, the prison truly found uh, we shut with all safety. Everything was locked up. The doors were locked. The chains were in place. And the keepers were standing without before the doors. When we had opened, we found no man within. Now, when the high priest and the captain of the temple and the chief of the priests heard these things, they doubted of them whereunto where this would grow. Then came one of them and told them, saying, Behold, the men whom you put in prison are standing in the temple and teaching the people. Then went the captive with the officers and brought them without violence, for they feared the people, lest they should have been stoned. And when they had brought them, they set them before the council and the high priests and asked them, saying, Did not we straightly command you that you uh, should not teach in that name? And behold, you have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine and intend to bring this man's blood upon us. Then Peter and the other apostles answered and said, We ought to obey God rather than man. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom you have slew and hanged on a tree. Him hath God exalted with his right hand to be a prince and a savior, for to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are his witnesses of these things. And so is also the Holy Ghost whom God hath given to them that obey him. My God. Isn't that something that that's that's what I call determination after being locked up for being a witness for Christ, beaten and the angel come and set them free and they're brought back before the council and said, did not we tell you not to teach this? Come on, somebody, you 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 filled all of Israel, Jerusalem with your your doctrine. Come on, somebody. My God. And what was the word? Are we are to obey God or are we to obey men? And I'm so glad. And he said uh, he culminated in verse 32. He said, and we are witnesses of these things. And also the Holy Ghost whom God have given to them that obey him. My God, you have received the Holy Spirit because you have obeyed God. Amen. And we are to continue to obey him. And what is the commandment? Make more disciples. My God, as I have said, we are the true Trinitarians. Come on, somebody. We have the revelation that all the three are one. Amen. The true Trinitarians. We believe in the Father. 
Amen. We believe in the Son. We believe in the Holy Spirit. But we got the revelation that all of these three are one. He is Father in creation. He's the Son in redemption. He's the Holy Ghost in each and every one of us. Amen. If you go to John, the 14th chapter and the ninth verse, John, the 14th chapter. Fourteenth chapter in the ninth verse, Jesus said unto them, how long uh, I have been so long time with you, and yet hast thou not known me, Philip? He that hath seen me hath seen the Father. And how sayest thou then, show us the Father? Philip asked the question that, you know, a lot of people sometimes in class, somebody asked the question, uh, and uh, they just happen to be the one to ask the question. But there's a whole lot of people want to know. <laughs> when Jesus said, I, I go away to prepare a place that where I am, you might be also. Uh, uh, Philip said, well, you know, just show us the father and it, it will suffice us. We'll be satisfied. Amen. But he let him know I and the father are one. Then if you drop down to verse 26. That's written in red, and those are the words of Jesus. He says what? But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance. That Latin prefix re means to bring back whatsoever I have said unto you. Speak to my heart, Lord. Come on, somebody. And when God speaks to your heart, uh, when you're faced with that situation, He'll bring it back to your remembrance. That's why your Holy Ghost must be fed. Amen. He'll bring it to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. All right. Jesus said, I and my father are one. He said, the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, the father is going to send it in my name. Well, that's in red. Who's speaking? Jesus. So the name of the Father is Jesus. The name of the Son is Jesus. The name of the Holy Ghost is Jesus. And all these three are one. Come on, somebody. If we're going to witness to individuals, we must know, understand, my God. And, you know, I, I want to also caution this. You know, a lot of people say, well, I'm going to start witnesses and when I can start calling scripture. You know what? The biggest witness that you can have is what God has done for you. Let people see the change in your life. Come on, somebody. Uh, the woman that was at the well ran. Now she went to the well on an off hour, the sixth hour, so she wouldn't see nobody, but ran back to the city intending to see everybody. Come on, somebody. And you all know the reputation she had. That's why she went at the off hour in the first place. And she came back with the multitude. You think she quoted a whole lot of scripture? I think not. I think not. My God. She talked about a man that can uh, deal with you right where you are. A man that told me whatever I had done. Come on, somebody. Yet he had mercy on my soul. My God. So a lot of the things that are being taught, we can refute those things through the scriptures. 
Amen. But if you have not got to the point where you can share a whole lot of scripture, just tell of the goodness of God and how he's brought about a change in your life. Amen. Jesus said, all that ever came before me were thieves and robbers. My God, but the shepherd of the sheep, they were not. The most Almighty. So there are some imposters out there that are claiming some things that are not true. And I'm speaking of the black Jews, the black Hebrews and the black Israelites. Well, that's us. Come on, somebody. And we have scripture to prove it. Galatians. I'm glad you asked. Galatians. This is a quick <clears throat> overview. Some of the things we have already said. <clears throat> We are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. All right, Galatians 3, 26 through 29. What does that say? For you are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you have been baptized into Christ, we have put on Christ. Now, you know, you can share with a person that claims to be a, uh, a black Jew, a, a black Hebrew, a black Israelite. Tell them, take them to the scripture and show them where you can prove that you, you are legitimately what they're claiming to be. <laughs> Come on, somebody. Uh, for many of you has been baptized unto Christ. We have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither bond nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if ye be Christ, then are you Abraham's seed and heir according to the promise. My God, and if we be Abraham's seed, well, Abraham was a Jew. Come on, somebody. So then that makes me a black Jew. That makes me a black Hebrew. That makes me a black Israelite. Come on, somebody. My God, I'm not ashamed of this gospel, for it is the power unto salvation. I'm then a Jew. I'm Abraham's seed. Uh, I, I'm heir. So every promise now made to my Jewish father now belongs unto me because I'm in the family now. Oh, come on, somebody. I'm not just an imposter. I'm the real deal, legitimate heir of Christ. Come on, somebody. My God. And certainly uh, we are uh, what others are claiming to be. All that ever came before me were thieves and robbers. All right. We are the witnesses. We are the true witnesses of Jehovah. Come on, somebody. My God. Uh, we have been given the commandment to make more disciples. There are those that came to Jesus and said, we have uh, cast out devils in your name. We've healed the sick in your name. And what did Jesus tell them? Depart from me. I never knew you. You have to be a legitimate heir. That's what, that's what we were just talking about. I'm legitimate. Come on, somebody. My God. Uh, if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's. Um, Seed, if you're Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. My God, we are legitimate heirs of Christ. There were those that came, said, well, you know, we've done all of those things. We've, we've uh, healed the sick. You know, there's power in that name, Jesus, no matter who called it. 
Now, the devil, he just can't stand to call it because it will testify against himself. <laughs> Come on, somebody. My God. So uh, we have healed the sick in thy name. We have done many marvelous works in your name. And Jesus said, depart from me. You are not legitimate. Come on, somebody. My God. I never knew you. Look at Romans. Romans, the 10th chapter. Romans, the 10th chapter. We want verses 14 and 15. How shall they call on him in whom they have not received? Believed, I'm sorry. How shall they believe in him in whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. Come on, somebody. All of God's ministry is God-given and God-anointed ministry. Come on, somebody. Uh, not just anybody can take that name Jesus and perform miracles and God is accepting them. He said, depart from me. Come on, somebody. Effective ministry must come from God-given, God-anointed people. Come on, somebody. And God knows your name. Acts 4 and 2 says, neither is there salvation in any other. Now let's go there. Acts 4 and 12. Neither is there salvation in any other. For there is no other name under heaven given among men. Whereby we what? We must be saved. And what is that name? Jesus. Yes, he is Jehovah, but his name is Jesus. Everybody don't know who Jesus is. If you don't know who he is, you can't be a true witness. My God. It has to be God-given, God-inspired, God-anointed ministry by the man or woman of God sent by him to his people. Amen. We have the true baptism of the Baptist church. Come on, somebody. My God. We have the baptism that's in the name that's above every other name. Come on, somebody. Father, Son, and Holy Ghost are titles. I'm a father. I'm also a son. Remember somebody? My God. If you uh, call the name Father, a lot of people will probably look up. If you call Son, I can respond to that too, because legitimately, I'm, I'm a son. I'm a father. Remember somebody? Holy Ghost. They're all titles. But the name is Jesus, my God. 
So we don't baptize in Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Those are merely titles. We call the name that have all power, the name that's above every other name. Come on, somebody. My God. We have the full promise of his word in the infilling of the Holy Ghost as the Spirit of God gives utterance. Uh, Let's go to Acts 2 and 38. Acts 2 and 38. We're talking about the true baptism of the Baptist church. We have that. What did it say? Then Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized every one of you. How? In the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. He didn't say Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. He said in the name of Jesus Christ. That's the only name that can uh, forgive Wash away, remove sin. Come on, somebody. And he said, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. My God. Ephesians. Now, this is this is he said uh, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. Now, Ephesians four and five. Let us know um, if you would get that. Ephesians. I'm going a little uh, quick here because uh, we're doing some overview. Ephesians 4, 5 and 6 says what? There's one body and one spirit, even as you are called in the hope of your calling. There's one Lord. There's one faith. There's only one baptism. There's one Lord, there's only one faith, and there's only one baptism. Hear ye, O Israel, the Lord our God is what? He's only one. My God. There's only one thing to believe in, only one plan of salvation, and there there is only one baptism, and that is the name of Jesus. In the name that's above every other name. He said there's one God. He's the father of all, who is above all, through all, and in you all. My God. Mm. We have the baptism of the Baptist church. And it's not Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Let's take into consideration 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians 5 and 5. We have the earnest of the Spirit. And we only have that because we have obeyed him. We have the down payment. Come on, somebody. It talks about this earthly house of this tabernacle. If it were dissolved, we have a building of God. And house not made with hands. And look at verse five. Now he that have wrought us or he that have prepared us for the very same, the self same, you can um Uh, substitute the very same. Now he that have prepared us for the very same thing is who? 
God, who hath given unto us, what is it? It's the earnest of the Spirit. When you were filled with the Holy Ghost, that was just a down payment. Come on, somebody. My God. And a promise of greater things to come. Just a down payment. Can you imagine that? Speaking in other tongues as the Spirit of God has given the utterance is just a, a down payment. My God. He that hath prepared us for the very same thing is God, who has given unto us the earnest. My God. So he has promised us, uh, uh, given us a down payment and said, I'm going to give you a full dose in the life in which to come, which is what? Life eternal. Amen. We are the only church that is in Christ. You hear what I said? We are the only church that is in Christ. My God, uh, let's go to Ephesians, Ephesians 4. <clears throat> Ephesians 4, 1 through 6. What does he say? I therefore the prisoner of the Lord. I'm begging you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called. Do it with all lowliness, meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep. Now, listen, you can't endeavor to keep something that you don't already have. You hear what I said? <laughs> Endeavoring to keep. You can endeavor to keep something that you already have, that you don't already have. Come on, somebody. We are the only church that is in Christ. He said, endeavoring to keep. Come on, somebody. What you already have. The unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit. Even as you are called in the hope of your calling, there is only one body and one spirit. There's only one church that's in Christ. Remember somebody, and if we're endeavoring to keep, that means we already have it. We are the only church that is in Christ. All right. There's only one body and one spirit, even as you are called in the hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, Father of all, there it is again, who is above all, through all, and in you all. What's that name? That name is Jesus. Matthew 16. Matthew 16. We have a whole lot of scriptures that are backing us up. What we teach, what we believe, the life that we live. Jesus asked his disciples, who do men say that I am? And they were just as confused. The answers was just as confused as men are today. Nothing has changed. And then he asked his disciples, well, who do you 
It's important we, the disciples of Christ, know who he is. All right. Matthew 16, 15 through 18. And Simon Peter answered and said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto them, blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for blush, flesh and blood have not revealed it unto thee. You didn't get this on your own thinking. Come on, somebody. You didn't get this uh, at school or in Bible college or some uh, a seminary. This is a revelation that only comes from God. Look at this. Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood have not revealed it unto you, but my Father, which is in heaven. This is a revelation that only comes from God. And I say unto you that thou art Peter, and upon this rock, this revelation that you have, I'm going to build my what? One church. There's only one church in Christ. Come on, somebody. My God, we are the church of God in Christ. I'm going to build my singular church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Come on, somebody. I'm going to build my church based on the revelation that only comes from my father that Jesus is God. Jesus said, I and my father are one. We found that out in John 14, right? Based upon that revelation, Peter, what you have said, it didn't come from you. It comes from my father, my God. And based upon that belief, that revelation that only comes from God, I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell are not going to prevail against it. Jesus is God. Come on, somebody. My God. We have the true method of the Methodist church. What are the true methods? Well, it's the plan of salvation. What must I do to be saved? That's the method. That's the plan of salvation. Come on, somebody. Uh, John, the third chapter. I got to get going here. John, the third chapter. Three through five. Jesus answered and said, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. He's talking about a man's understanding. You're not going to understand everything there is to know. Uh, many times people have things explained to them and they say, I, don't, I just can't see that. Come on, somebody. Um, except a man be born again, he's not going to be able to understand the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said unto them, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time in his mother's womb and be born? You see how confused he is? Jesus answered, verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of the water, that's baptism in Jesus' name, and of the Spirit, that's the infilling of the Holy Ghost by the evidence of speaking in other tongues, he cannot enter, come on somebody, into the kingdom of God. This is the plan of salvation. This is the methods, 
the true methods of the church. Come on, somebody. My God, you drop down to verse 8, John 3 and 8. He talks about the infilling of the Holy Ghost. He says, the wind bloweth where it listeth. Thou hear the sound thereof, but cannot tell whence it cometh or whether it goeth. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. So is everyone. Listen, people tell you, well, I'm saved. Well, did you get it this way? Because the scripture says, so is everyone that is born again is going to get it this way. The wind bloweth where it listeth. You hear the sound, but we can't tell where it's going. We can only see the effects of the wind. The trees is tipping. You say, oh, well, it's blowing south. Uh, the leaves are rustling down the street. Oh, well, it's blowing that way. Same thing with the Holy Ghost. When you received it, we didn't see it come in the room. We didn't see it leave. Come on, somebody. But we witnessed the effects of it. And what were the effects of it? You speaking in other tongues. My God. So it is with everyone that is born of the spirit. My God. And what do babies do? Uh, when they're born, they cry out. What happened to us when we received the Holy Ghost? We cried out. Come on, somebody in that new tongue, that new dialect. My God, nobody taught you. Nobody prodded you. Nobody rehearsed. When God came in, you spoke. You were a newborn babe in Christ Jesus. If it's been three days, you're three days old in him. Come on, somebody. And we cry out. You know, the Bible said it's going to be more tolerable for those that have not seen or known me or my works than those that have witnessed my works. Mm. You know something? To know of God's goodness, of his grace, his mercy, his kindness that he has bestowed upon you. God said it's going to be more tolerable for those that don't haven't even known for you to know them and not do them. Come on, somebody. We have the method of the Methodist church, the plan of salvation. What must I do to be saved? All right. Last one. We are the true Catholics. Come on, somebody. I got uh, Catholic. If you look up that term, it means uh, all embracing, all embracing. And Catholicism is a doctrine that's an all embracing religious doctrine. Come on, somebody. Uh, but we understand that Jesus is God. Come on, somebody. And Mary is the mother of Jesus and not to be worshiped as God. Mary is the mother of Jesus. She's not God. Come on, somebody. My God. Uh, let's go to Matthew 11. Matthew 11, 25 through 27, we are the messengers. We carry this message. If the gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. God is requiring each and every one of us to open our mouths and throw out the lifeline and comfort somebody that's in trouble with the same comfort that you received when you were in your trouble. 
Come on, somebody said, I was sinking deep in sin. I was far from the peaceful shore, but what? The master of the sea. He heard my despairing cry. Isn't it amazing how you can be hollering for help? Mother, father, sister, brother, best friend, they don't even hear you. Hmm. Well, what do you mean, Pastor? I'm talking about the testimony of individuals uh, after a loved one has committed suicide. Everybody say, I didn't know. I didn't know it had gotten that bad. I didn't know that they were going through that. I didn't know they were, they were dealing with this. And, and many of them have a clue. I don't even know what it was all about. You're crying. Yet those individuals, they can't even see it. Come on, somebody. I was sinking. I was far from the peaceful shore, but the master of the sea, when nobody else couldn't hear. He heard my despairing cry, and from the water he lifted me. Now safe am I. Matthew 11, 25 through 27. And that time Jesus answered and said, I thank thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth. Come on, somebody. All embracing. What is he? He's the the Lord of heaven and earth, all embracing, because thou has hid these things from the wise and prudent. Isn't that the same thing Mary, the mother of Jesus said? And has revealed them unto babes. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in thy sight. All things, all embracing, are delivered unto me of my Father, and no man knoweth the Son but the Father, neither knoweth any man the Father, save the Son, and he to whomsoever the Son will reveal him. My God. So revelation is essential. Come on, somebody. This comes by revelation only, and God says, I'm only going to reveal myself to, to them who the son reveals himself to are the only ones that are going to receive the revelation. And it doesn't come from Mary. My God, there are those that are worshiping Mary, kissing a statue of Mary, kissing the Pope's ring. You get no revelation from that. Come on, somebody. He said, all things are delivered unto me of my father, and no man knoweth the son but the father, and neither knoweth any man the father save the son. And he to whomsoever the son will reveal him. Jesus have to reveal himself unto you, and it does not come from Mary. Come on, somebody. My God, all revelation comes through Jesus Christ and he reveals himself. Come on, somebody to whomsoever he will. All right. And certainly that's what we want to deal with. God revealing himself. 
my God, God reveals himself unto his friends. Remember somebody? And as the messengers of Christ, we are in a unique position because God has revealed himself unto you. My God, how did you feel when you came out of the wilderness? Remember somebody, when you came out leaning on the Lord, when he spoke through you, you heard yourself speak in other tongues. He revealed himself. To you. My God, he placed his indelible mark upon your life. You heard yourself speak. My God. And that's what we want to deal with now. God reveals himself. We're in a unique position because now that he has revealed himself unto us, it is time for us now, come on somebody, to comfort others who need to be introduced to God themselves. Uh, they told the woman that ran back to the city, come on somebody, now we believe, come on somebody, your testimony got us out here. Now we believe because we have heard him for ourselves. You were instrumental in getting the crowd, the multitude, but they have to hear him for themselves. God has to reveal him. No man can come to the father except the son, the S-O-N, Jesus. What? Draw him. He has to draw you to him. My God. And God reveals himself. And when he reveals himself, he calls us friend. My God. All right, let's go to the book of Revelation. Yes, we're still talking about the messengers of Christ. And I want to talk about the gravity, the gravity when we become a friend of God. God reveals himself to each and every one of us. Revelation, the first uh, chapter. God reveals himself to his friends. My God, now this is the only book uh, in the Bible uh, that lets us know um, that we're blessed when we read it and when we hear it. This is the only book in the Bible that promises a blessing if we will read it. That, that makes revelation a revealing, an unveiling, uh, a very important book. We're blessed when we read it and when we hear it. And the book of Revelation is a conclusion of everything that has been written in the Bible. Come on, somebody. Uh, many times uh, when I'm um, looking at a review of product, whether it be a, a review of 55-inch TVs or vacuum cleaners or a lawnmower, I'll go right to the recommendation. Instead of uh, going back reading the whole article, I'll go to the recommendation. And many times in the recommendation, if I need to know more, that means I got to go back to the article. 
All right, you all are recommending this. Okay, I'm going to go back to the article and I'm going to read the whole section that's pertaining to the model that you're recommending because I don't want to, uh, you know, uh, read about uh, something that you're not recommending. Come on, somebody. Uh, they have what's called an executive summary. A lot of times people will go right to the summary uh, without reading the whole report. So the book of Revelation sums up the other 65 books of the Bible. The book of Revelation brings to a conclusion and sums up the other 65 books of the Bible. I'm on somebody. But we need to understand that the book of Revelation is written in code. It's written in code. So unless you have read the other 65 books of the Bible, it's not going to make any sense to you. You're not going to be able to understand Revelation because it brings to a finality or to a conclusion all the other books that you haven't read. Come on, somebody. <laughs> it's going to be impossible to understand. So we have to read the whole Bible. Amen. And Revelation is the conclusion of all the other 65 books. And God only reveals himself to his friends. We got scripture to support that. All right. So a lot of times, um, Avery, uh, when we're uh, sitting down, he, he, he may say, well, I'm ready to watch this particular movie. And uh, some of the good uh, examples might be Star Wars or one of the Marvel uh, movies. And, you know, I'm just sitting in watching the movie and, you know, and, and I'm asking all kinds of questions because, you know, Star Wars is, is a long uh, a trilogy or, you know, uh, <laughs> you know, I'm asking, well, who is, who is Luke Skywalker and, and who's Prince so-and-so and, and, and their brother and sister, and they don't know it. And, and finally, you know, Avery's like, you know what, <laughs> you, you, you messing this whole thing up for me. You know, you're watching Endgame and, you know, I know the Hulk and, you know, I know Iron Man, but I don't know who Doctor Strange is and who Thanos is. So I'm sitting here uh, disrupting his entertainment because I'm just asking, well, who is that? And 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 where did that come from? <laughs> My God. So he's ready to turn the movie off and, 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 you know, I can't enjoy it because you're just sitting here asking me a whole lot of questions. And I don't have time to go back and explain everything that you would know had you started at the beginning and then come to the conclusion. Come on, somebody. So if you don't read the whole Bible, you will never understand Revelation because it is written in code and it brings to conclusion everything among somebody, all the other 65 books of the Bible. Come on, somebody. But if we study the Bible, God reveals to his friends what he's going to do. He said, uh, I'll be a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. Come on, somebody. 
I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'll be with you to the very end. I'm not going to leave you in darkness. Come on, somebody. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come unto you. Come on, somebody. My God. So if we go to Genesis, let's just go to Genesis 18. God revealed unto Abraham what he was going to do in Sodom and Gomorrah. Genesis 18, 16 through 17. And the men rose up from thence and looked towards Sodom. And Abraham went with of them to bring them on the way. And the Lord said, shall I hide from Abraham that thing which I do? You know somebody. Now, Abraham was uh, a friend of God. Let's just prove that out. Let's go to James. The second chapter. James, the second chapter in the 23rd verse. And the scripture was fulfilled, which saith, Abraham believed God and it was imputed unto him for righteousness. And he was called the friend of God. Come on, somebody. Abraham believed God. And it was imputed unto him for righteousness. And what happened as a result of that, he became a friend of God. How many know that when we're baptized in Jesus name and filled up with the precious gift of the Holy Ghost, God considers us his friend and God reveals unto him his friends what he's about to do. Shall I hide this thing from Abraham? He's my friend. So I'm going to reveal unto him what is about to take place. Uh, Let's go to John. Let's go to John 15. Because now he has revealed unto us. He's revealing unto us through his word. Uh, revelation, which is an unveiling. I'm on somebody. And if he has unveiled it unto us, we ought to be able to share it with others. John 15, 14 and 15. What does he say? You are my friends. If you do whatsoever I command you, Henceforth, I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doth. The servant don't know, don't know anything about his master's business. You know somebody? But I have called you friends for all things that I have heard of my father, I have made known unto you. My God. So once he calls us friends, come on somebody, he reveals unto us 
everything he's going to do. Mm. And that's what um, revelation is. It's an unveiling. And God has put us in a unique position now that we are friends. My God, that we can help others along the way. And as, as friends and knowing what God is about to do, we can throw out the lifeline. You know, uh, it's time to gather together. Old nation not desire. That's how I need to tell somebody that's, uh, you know, one foot in and one foot out. They're doing the hokey pokey. Come on, somebody. Saints, just like that. Got your left foot in, got your left foot out. Come on, somebody. This is not no time for that. This is this is no time for playing no hokey pokey. When God reveals unto us that he's about to bring this thing to an end, it ought to bring up the urgency of now. Honey, this is time to get in the church and stay in the church. And listen, let us go out into the hedges and highways and compel people to come in because this thing is coming to an end. How many feel that in your spirit? This thing is coming to an end. All right. He said, you're my friends. If you do whatsoever I command you, henceforth I call you not servants. For the servant knoweth not uh, what the Lord doth. But I have called you friends for all things that I have heard of my father. I have made known unto you. My God. And uh, the one that is closest to God, God reveals more anointing, more revelation. Come on, somebody. We ought to have an understanding of the times and of the season. Come on, somebody. We ought to be those men of Issachar that had a perfect understanding of the times and knew what Israel ought to do. Come on, somebody. My God. Uh, Paul said of the times and of the seasons, brethren, you don't have no need that I write unto you. My God, everybody that's uh, baptized in Jesus' name and filled up with the precious gift of the Holy Ghost, you ought to have an inkling in your spirit that we cannot continue the way that we're going. America has become the house that's divided against itself and it will not stand. My God, I'm thinking about the words of the late Dr. Martin Luther King. I am afraid I have integrated my brethren into a burning house. Is this the revelation that God gave to Dr. Martin Luther King years ago? I have integrated my brethren into a burning house. Come on, somebody. So God, uh, Abraham, he was the beloved of God. And he revealed unto Abraham the thing that he was going to do in, and at Sodom and Gomorrah. Uh, what about Daniel? Daniel in the Hebrew means God is my judge. Uh, Daniel has given us revelation of things that we're even relying on today. Come on, somebody. Uh, Daniel let us know these empires that were to come, the lion, the bear, and the leopard, and the fourth beast that made him sick. 
My God. And what did John see? That's we're reading his revelation right now. What did he see? He saw the same thing, but in the opposite order. He saw the leopard, the lion, I mean the leopard, the bear, and the lion, and then he saw an amalgamation, the worst of all of your enemies. That one, that fourth beast, they they both saw four, four beasts. Daniel said the fourth beast made me sick. And he inquired about that fourth beast. Come on, somebody. Well, John, when he looked at it from a different perspective, Daniel was looking from our past. John was looking from our future. Come on, somebody. He saw uh, the leopard, the bear, the lion, and then the worst of all three of them. The worst of all of your enemies combined. They both saw forth four beasts. That explains to us today what's about to happen in our time, in our day, and in our time. Remember somebody, we are going to World War III, where the whole world will be at war. The Antichrist, the one that's riding on the white horse, will come and he will be given power. Remember somebody. I don't remember the color. Maybe it was the red horse. He will be given power to take peace from the earth. Come on, somebody. So in the New Testament scripture, I want to get into God revealing himself. God revealing himself unto us. In the New Testament, the closest friend to Jesus was John. Amen. Uh, Let's go to John 13. John was the one that was always leaning on the breast. I mean, all the disciples there were there, but John was the one that was leaning on him, <laughs> leaning on the breast of Jesus. And the one that's closest to him receives more revelation. Come on, somebody. My God. John, the 13th chapter. I talked about, are you leaning into him? Leaning on Jesus Christ, my Savior, safe and secure from all alarm. Why? Because he's already revealed unto me what's going on. And yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I don't have to fear no evil. Come on, somebody. Because he's with me. John 13, 23 through 26. Now there was one leaning on Jesus bosom, one of his disciples whom Jesus loved. Now, John is writing this and he knows uh, or assumes that we already know. Well, I was the closest one to him Um, uh, whom Jesus loved. Simon Peter, therefore, uh, you know, Peter said, well, since you leaning on him, man, you know, he beckoned him that he should ask who it should be of whom he spake. Jesus said, I've chosen you 12 and one of you are the devil. You're going to betray me. Come on, somebody. My God. And John was the one that was leaning and laying on the breast of Jesus So Peter said, listen, man, since you're all on his breast anyway, why don't you ask him who he's talking about? 
Come on, somebody. When you lean into Jesus, he will reveal unto you all the business of his father. Come on, somebody. All right. So he said, Simon Peter therefore beckoned him that he should ask who it should be of whom he spake. Then he then lying on Jesus's breast said unto him, Lord, who is it? Jesus answered, he it is to whom I shall give sop when I have dipped it. And when he had dipped the sop, he gave it to Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon. My God, who we know is a type of Antichrist. There are only two people in the Bible referred to as the son of perdition. Only two people. Judas Iscariot. Amen. And then the one that is to come. Uh, first, let's look at let's look at John 17, 12. This is Jesus talking about um, Judas Iscariot. He said. Um, 17 and 12. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in thy name. This is Jesus talking to the father. Those that thou gavest me, I have kept, and none of them is lost, but the son of perdition, that the scriptures might be fulfilled. He's referring to Judas Iscariot. Come on, somebody. My God. And then the Bible talks about the other that is to come. Now, John's laying on uh, the breast of Jesus. And he said, the one who, when I passed the sop, you know, he, it wasn't, you know, come on, Lord. Now, you know, we've been, we, we, we good pals and we good friends and all of this and, and had to twist Jesus. Right, he said, Lord, who is it? Well, you're right here on my breast, John. I might as well. <laughs> you can hear me think. I, I might as well tell you. Uh, when I dipped the sop, the one I ha handed to, and he was to the right of Jesus. Come on, somebody. It was easy for Jesus to reveal uh, to John because he considered John a friend and not only a friend, a close friend. My God. All right. Second Thessalonians, the second chapter. Second Thessalonians, the second chapter. Verses three. Through eight. What does he say? Let no man deceive you by any means. For that day shall not come, except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed. Who is he? He's the son of perdition, who opposes and exalted himself above all that is called God, or that is worshipped, so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God, 
Remember ye not that while I was yet with you, I told you these things, and now you know that uh, withholdeth that he that might be revealed in his time. Now you know what withholdeth. Uh, I'm the one that's holding this thing back that it might be revealed in its time. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. And only who now letteth will let until it be taken out of the way. And then shall the wicked, that uh, wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. The son of perdition will be revealed in his own time. And why only he that letteth will let? Come on, somebody. The enemy can only do what God allows. He has revealed this unto us. But when he snatches his church out, he's going to remove his hand. And the enemy will be allowed to destroy this earth unfettered, unleashed. Come on, somebody. But God will do it in his own time. When he revealed and passed the sop, to Judas Iscariot, the Bible said, and the devil entered into him. And Jesus said, what you going to do? Do it now. And they told him, don't do it during the feast days. <laughs> My God, lest there be an uproar of the people. Don't nothing happen without the will, the plan, the permission of God. Come on, somebody. So Judas Iscariot was a type of the Antichrist, the son of perdition, who be, will be revealed in God's own time. Now, who did God give this revelation to that we're reading right now? He gave it to the one that was closest to him, John. On the island of Patmos. Come on, somebody. My God. The closest friend. Now, they were all friends, but John was the one, my God, that was just inseparable. That leaned on the breast of Jesus. And, you know, when we're living at a time when the Bible said many false prophets will come, false Christs. People's minds is going to be deceived if we can trust anybody. I believe we can trust John. Come on, somebody. My God. Uh, Jesus gave his mother to John. What did he say? Woman, behold thy son. Come on, somebody. My God. He was the closest to Jesus. So God gave him more revelation. My God. And guess what? He gave it to John that John might give it to us. Hmm. I believe God wants us to know what is going on, what's happening right now that there might be an urgency in our spirit. You know, a lot of times we say, well, you know, I got a whole lot of time to witness and tell somebody about the, you know, and I'm waiting for God to, you know, well, I'm waiting till the time is right. Well, listen, God is the one that creates the, the times and the seasons. 
when the disciples had went off to the market and Jesus started talking about a harvest, he said, don't look at the fields and say there's four months to harvest. I'm the one, come on somebody, that creates the times and the season. I create the harvest. And right now it is plenteous. Come on somebody, my God, I create a harvest that it takes more than the natural eye to see. And Jesus is the one that opens up the door of utterance that we might speak to other people. And sometimes I ask the question, could he send you to the desert? To speak to somebody that was a different ethnicity, totally different lifestyle. This man was castrated. He was a eunuch. Come on, somebody. My God, can God send you? Can he trust you? And sometimes people are saying, well, Lord, if you if you do this and if you do that and if, if you know, if somebody come up to me today and talk about being saved, I'm going to surrender. And here you are walking past and and God says, join yourself to the chariot. You say, well, Lord, you know, I ain't going to do it this time, but I'll do it another time. No. God has revealed unto us the things to come. Gather together, O nation, not desired before the decree. Come on, somebody. God's wrath is being poured out. The decree has already been given. My God, this earth is going to be destroyed by fire. Not with water, but fire next time. Come on, somebody. So I believe God reveals and he has revealed unto us his friends. Come on, somebody. Uh, what is to come? And that that is what revelation is, the unveiling. My God. And uh, many times we are lazy and we don't know what we ought to know because we haven't read the Bible. We haven't read the scripture. Come on, somebody. And John takes no credit for this revelation. Come on, somebody. Some of the things uh, he don't even have a clue as to what is going on, but God reveals unto him what's going to happen at the end of this world and at the end of mankind as we know. And he can only describe in carpenter's terms, come on somebody, what God is revealing unto him, you know, nuclear war. He, he describes it as stars falling from the sky. And their eyes and their tongues shall consume away from their sockets. Come on, somebody. And they shall be as standing skeletons and then fall to the ground. Can you imagine that? And some things God uh, reveals unto John. He said, now write it down. And then other times he said, don't write that. So John takes no credit for it. But God is revealing unto him. To let us know what's going to happen in this world because we are his friends. My God. <clears throat> All right. And that's what re Revelation is, the removing of the veil. Let's go back to Revelation 1. I think we turned there before where we didn't do no reading. 
The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him to show unto his servants the things which must shortly come to pass. Come on, somebody. And he sent and signified by his angel unto his servant, John. A revelation that only comes from the father to the son. Come on, somebody. No man knows the father but the son. No man knows the son but the father. And to those he also reveals himself to. Come on, somebody. Revelation only comes through Jesus. All right. So God reveals it unto him, his son, to show his servants things which must shortly come to pass. And he sent and signified it by his angel unto his servant, John. He gave the revelation to John. And now John is writing and, and leaving it on record for us who bear record at the word of God and of the testimony of Jesus Christ and of all things uh, that he saw among somebody. Look at verse three. Blessed is he that readeth and they that uh, hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written therein. For the time is at hand. It's time. I'm on somebody. It's time for the church to wake up. It's time for us as witnesses of these things, friends of God, to get an urgency of now. I'm on somebody. My God. And that's what revelation is. A removal of the veil. All right, I got something I want to show you all. Uh oh, no, I don't want to do that. Let me see, maybe that's a good spot for me. All right. The removing of the veil. We have here uh, a, a Jewish wedding. And everything in the Bible is from a Jewish standpoint. Uh, those are the chosen people of God and uh, they rejected him. And now we have him. It's a sad commentator when Jesus said, I came in my father's name and you received me not. But there will be one that come in his own name. Him you will receive. He came to his own and his own received him not. All right. So we see the man. Who is he marrying? And uh, why can't we see her face? It's because of the veil. Now, it's the Jewish understanding that the wife always wear the veil until the marriage ceremony. And after the marriage ceremony, then the veil is removed. Come on, somebody. Um, if you look there on the left-hand side, in the Greek language, you got apokalypto. Apo means to remove. Calypto is veil. And it's uh, uh, it's the apocalyptic language 
um, used in uh, Hollywood to describe the end of the world and the end of mankind um, as we know among somebody. Uh, but when we talk about revelation, it's apocalypto, the removing to remove the veil among somebody. My God. And the Bible said, if the gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. Now, Revelation is all about a wedding. We talked about that. The Bible is just a love story. It's a story of a, um, a good woman, a bad woman, a good church and a bad church, good and evil, right and wrong. It's a love story about God and his people. And Revelation is all about a wedding. Come on, somebody. Uh, in its climax, it's the adorning of the bride and finally being received by the bridegroom. And what, is it, what does it mean to adorn? I'm glad you asked. It means to decorate. It means to add beauty to. Uh, if we think about a tree, ornaments, a garland, a flowers, adorning of the hair to make more pleasing, to make more attractive, impressive. Come on, somebody to enhance piety. And what is piety? The quality of religious or are being reverent. So what is God doing now? He's preparing his bride. In the beginning, if we go back and when I talk about um, revelation, uh, the removing of the veil is a culmination in bringing to finality everything that has happened. There's 66 uh, books in the Bible. Um, it's bringing to finality all of those other things that we read in the 65 books, bringing it to its final conclusion. My God. So in the beginning, we have Genesis. God said it's not good for man to be alone. So what did he do? He made a bride for Adam. He made a helpmeet. And uh, we see this pattern repeated over and over again throughout uh, the Bible, but finally reaching its finality in Revelation. Come on, somebody. So God now is preparing a bride for himself. This pattern, it's repeating over and over and over again. And its conclusion is in the book of Revelation. All right. So in the end, uh, Revelation the veil is being removed. Christ, Christ finally reveals and receives his bride. Come on, somebody. My God. And that's what it means. The removing of the veil. Revelation. The removing of the veil. Who we could not see before or what she looked like. But now we will finally understand who the bride is and what she looks like. 
because it's being revealed to us, the removing of the veil in the book of Revelation. So uh, in Revelation, we have the illusions, we have the allegories, we have the metaphors, we have the patterns, we have the types, and we have the pictures. Now all of those are going to be removed with the taking away of the veil. There is no excuse, no excuse for us not understanding the times and the seasons in which we live. Because God considers us his friend. Come on, somebody. You're no longer servants. Servants don't know what the, the master's business or what he's up to. But I've considered you all friends that I might reveal unto you. Come on, somebody. My God. What's going to happen? Jesus is making it clear to his friends and John has written it down for us to read and to understand. My God. Uh, Revelation is a countless reference to the Old Testament. And that's why I say if you just read um, a Revelation, you're not going to understand. You're not going to understand it because it's a culmination. It's bringing to finality. Everything that was written in the prior 65 books of the Bible. So you need to read the whole book. Um, a dragon is always a dragon. When we look at these things in Revelation, when we look back in uh, Genesis, in the garden, uh, that serpent is the same dragon that we see in Revelation that have come to deceive the world. He came to deceive Eve. I know somebody, and it's that old dragon, that serpent, that's going to be destroyed in the end. And uh, the Bible interprets itself. We don't need no external information to interpret the Bible. I know somebody. If you read the whole Bible, you'll be able to figure it out for yourself. I know somebody. Uh, sometimes we, you know, people bring in other information and try to make somebody else out to be the Antichrist. And, you know, they they use some clever words, ways of twisting words and coming up with different numbers. If you read the whole Bible, you'll know who the Antichrist is. The son of perdition, somebody, the one that's going to be revealed in his in its time. So Revelation is the culmination of all the patterns, the, the metaphors, uh, the types, the pictures. Come on, somebody. My God, all of it coming to conclusion in the book of Revelation uh, and being the veil being re revealed and removed unto us that we might understand what's about to happen. My God. Um, Babylon was in Genesis. We saw it in the middle with Nebuchadnezzar. And guess what? It's that same Babylon that we're living in right now. It's back. Isn't that what Zechariah said? Where bearest thou the ephah? 
to place it in the land of Shinar. Remember somebody, Babylonia. And when the time is right, it's coming back. God has revealed that unto us because we are his friend. My God. So Revelation answers the question, well, who is the bride? It's the church. Come on, somebody. My God. And it brings everything to its finality. God finally receives his own bride. He's coming back for a white church without spot or wrinkle or any such thing. Come on, somebody. My God. Let's look at um, Revelation 1 and 3. Let's read that one more time. Blessed is he that readeth, and they that hear the words of this prophecy, and keep those things which are written therein, for the time is at hand. It talks about two aspects. As I say, the, the only book in the Bible that says we blessed if we read it, and we're blessed if we hear it. Number one, you have to read it. Come on, somebody. Now, you know, and when we were going through the book of Revelation, it was so important. I kept telling, look, get your Bible, turn with me, let's read it together. Because you're blessed if you read it, not somebody else reading it for you. You're blessed if you read it. Come on, somebody. Not only that, you know how we read in our minds and we read silently. You need to read it out loud. Because what? Faith comes by hearing. You're blessed if you read it, read it out loud. And you're blessed when you hear it. Whosoever liveth and believeth upon me shall never die. The scripture said, believeth thou this? We hear a lot of things in the Bible, but the question is, do you believe it? You know somebody? And when, but without faith, it is impossible to please God. Do you believe it? He said you're blessed if you read it. You're blessed if you hear it. Come on, somebody. And you're blessed uh, when he uh, sends individuals that are qualified to teach it. Come on, somebody. What does the Bible says? And he gave some what? Apostles. And some what? Prophets. And some what? Evangelists. And some pastors that can teach. Come on, somebody. You're blessed when you read it. You're blessed when you hear it. You're blessed when God sends those individuals that are qualified to teach it. What does he say? I'm going to give you pastors after my own heart that is going to feed you with knowledge and understanding. Jeremiah 3.15. I'm on somebody. So God will send, 
We know we are not, we don't have any apostles among us today. That was their job is to uh, acts is the acts of the apostles, how they went about to set up, to govern, uh, to write the New Testament scripture. Come on, somebody. They did their job and moved on off the scene. They were the foundation layers. If we have apostles among us today, that means the, the, the New Testament scripture is not yet complete. And how can we be judged against something that we don't even know what it says? We don't have any apostles among us today. The foundation has already been laid and no other foundation can be laid other than that that was already laid. Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. I'm on somebody. So the foundation layers, they use the cornerstone to line up all the other uh, parts of the foundation. And when the foundation is done, the foundation layers go, but the cornerstone stays. I'm on somebody. This is the, the block that everything else lines up with the chief corner stone my god and god said i will then give you pastors that will feed you with knowledge and understanding my god so god is revealing unto us and this i want to um I taught this from a, a little bit different perspective this time because i i want to get an urgency of now, uh, you know, I don't understand how people are saved and don't realize the day and time in which we live. It's time for the church to wake up, be spiritually aware, brethren of the times and of the seasons. You ought to know what time it is. My God, God is revealing unto us. He is revealing unto us through the book of Revelation, the things that are to come. Come on, somebody. And it ought to make a difference in your witnessing. I don't believe um, in the uh, tornadoes that rip through Tennessee and Kentucky and Mississippi and uh, the other states that were affected, I believe parts of Ohio, uh, there was five or six states. I don't believe that uh, a neighbor would, you know, um, uh, would say, well, you know, I, I, I don't think I'm going to send no warning out. I'm not going to sound the alarm because, you know, this thing is uh, not that big of a deal. I believe when the people saw the destruction that was taking place, come on somebody, my God, they would do everything that they could. And, and that's what they talk about, communities coming together. Because everybody has been affected by this thing. God is letting us know it's time for the church to come together, old nation not desired. My God, the apocalypto, the removing of the veil has revealed unto us the times and the seasons which are to come.
And I don't think, um, you know, I, I don't understand if, if somebody knew that my life was in danger. And uh, not to even take the time to pick up the phone and call me or to knock on my door, you know, send me a text message, <laughs> do something. My God. And some of the things that we have read uh, during the tribulation period, when they gnawed out their tongues for pain, yet they repented not. My God. That's a that's a horrible time. That's a horrible time. My God. But I'm so glad to know that the church is not going to go through the tribulation period. He's going to snatch his bride out. I believe it's the third chapter of Revelation. He takes his bride out and we go into our chamber until the calamity comes to an end. Come on, somebody, because after he snatches the church out, there's still uh, seven years, seven years of tribulation, my God, that we're not going to have to go through, my God, and that one that's going to be revealed, come on somebody, the Antichrist, who is going to blaspheme God, but then turn around and say he is God, come on somebody, my God, that's going to be a horrible time when Israel realizes this is not our Messiah. My God, but we all know how that's going to turn out. There's going to be a day of atonement. But I'm concerned about the lives that are at risk right now. I'm, you know, and it's one thing about warning of God's wrath to come of those that are not saved. It makes me doubly concerned when individuals that are right in the church. I'm talking about the children of God that are not heeding the warning of the time in which we live. It's time for the church to wake up. It's time for us to get in urgency of now. I remember uh, the older woman that was at, I believe it was the Iowa caucuses when uh, then Senator Barack Obama was launching his um, candidacy for the president of the United States of America. So one uh, old lady was over in the corner. She said, fired up and ready to go. Fired up and ready to go. My God, each and every one of us, when God has revealed to us his friends, what's about to take place in this world, we ought to be fired up and ready to go. And listen, God has commanded us to make more disciples. Not a choice. He has commanded us to make more disciples. Come on, somebody. May God bless you. May God keep you is our prayer. If you're not saved, if you're not saved,
My God, it's so important that you're protected from the wrath to come. Everybody know, my God, when we look at uh, the assault on democracy, uh, those individuals that uh, call themselves defenders of the Constitution, it's nothing but lies, nothing but deception. People believed in the Constitution and they believed in democracy as long as they were winning. Come on, somebody. My God. And when they didn't win, nothing stands in their way to get their choice. They'll do whatever they need to do. And that's including the loss of life. Come on, somebody. And, and matter of fact, they'll do it with a Blue Lives Matter flag. And then turn around and tell you it was somebody else. that did what they themselves are guilty of. Horrible time, horrible time in which we live and we know that this world cannot continue. Uh, it is time to run in from the wrath that's being poured out upon this earth. My God, it's time to make your call in an election sure. If you have not been baptized in Jesus name, if you haven't been filled with the precious gift of the Holy Ghost, Call me, 734-477-6891. Call me. Call me tonight. Call me right now. Leave your message. We will return your call, my God, and share with you what thus saith the Lord. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, for the remission of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. The promise is unto you. It is unto your children and to them that are far off. And as many as the Lord our God shall call. If baptism in Jesus' name and infilling of the Holy Ghost is not for you, well, then God ain't calling you. That's what the scripture says. Come on, somebody. My God. I want to encourage you, call, call, call. Uh, we will share with you the scriptures, baptize you in the name of Jesus and God himself. My God will fill you with his spirit by the evidence of speaking in other tongues as the spirit gives the utterance. And that's just the down payment, the earnest of the spirit. Somebody say, when I see Jesus, my God, that's when we'll receive the full payment. My God, what a day of rejoicing that's going to be. Call me. Amen. We will certainly wait on you. Uh, the church door is open. We will baptize you. God will fill you with his spirit. Amen. And send you on your way rejoicing. And you are a legitimate heir of Christ. And ye be Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. May God bless you. May God keep you is our prayer. Uh, new grace. All of our giving methods are in place. Please support Please support uh, the ministry. Uh, do not rob God. You're only robbing yourself. The scripture asks the question, will a man rob God? Yes, it's possible for us to rob him. And I want to encourage you, be faithful with your tithing and with your offering. You'll never get to the apex of your life. You'll never achieve your dreams. My God.
uh, we found out uh, by the butler and the baker, Joseph interpret their dreams. Dreamers help others with their dreams. Come on, somebody. My God. And sometimes you have to help him with his dream before your dream come to pass. Amen. This is not a selfish thing. My God. So God has commanded us to render unto Caesar what is due and then render unto God. Individuals, they wouldn't think of robbing the IRS, but they will rob God all the time. And God said, listen, don't fear him that can just destroy this body. Fear him that can destroy both the body and soul. My God, the government can lock you up for the rest of your life. And that's all that they can do. Uh, but God can lock you up and there's no chain involved. He can lock you up in this life and then commit you to eternal damnation. Come on, somebody. My God, you'll never see the light of day. But let us trust God. Let us believe him. Let us keep his commandment. Let us take him at his word. And let's reap the full benefit and the blessing. My God of serving him. He gives the Holy Ghost to them that obey him. Amen. So let us reach the full apex. Amen. Of your life by giving that life to God. May God bless you. The messengers, the messengers of Christ. There's an urgency. There is an urgency of now. Let us go out into the hedges and the highways and to compel individuals uh, to come in. May God bless you. 